Hi, I'm Madeline, and you're listening to Little Asian Big World. This is my private journal, except it's not really that private anymore because I put it on the internet. I'm not the world's best speaker. I just really don't do words well in real life or on here. I swear English is my first and only language. I've only been in this country for 16 years and can't speak the only language that I know. Yet, I'm on my fourth episode of my podcast. That's just crazy to me. My voice is really kind of low for a girl. It's not the most pleasant to listen to. I stutter and speak before I have a full thought strung together. Speaking has always been one of my insecurities. My voice in general, really. I haven't any I haven't had any classes or training. I'm just here, which makes me even more insecure and worried about my speaking and my voice. I'm insecure about a lot of things, although I'm a very confident person, I would say. Not in a cocky or prideful way. It's just that a lot of life doesn't get to me. But sometimes those lies telling me that I'm not good enough or that no one actually likes me for me chip away at my futile bricks that make up my self-confidence. And I sit here just wondering, how can I not be good enough? I do everything right, you know? good grades, I stay out of trouble, I'm modest, I take care of myself, I stay home and I don't party, I have good friends, I spend time with my family, I have a job, I have a great life, you know, I'm probably going to go to a great college, I've got my life planned out basically for me, I volunteer, I have a great reputation, and I go to church. You know, so how could I not measure up? How could I not be good enough for anyone, you know? Why am I just so lacking of everything that makes me good that I just can't fit in? And I sit here sometimes and I just wonder, how does the world tear me down? You know, I know that I'm confident and I know that I'm worthy and valid, but the world spits these lies at me and at you telling us that we aren't good enough and that no one wants us in so many more things and the world emphasizes and magnifies only the negative which leaves space for negative comparison that makes us believe that we are too messed up to be desired i personally struggle with this a lot and i've discovered that journaling really helps me um it just lets me be honest and open with myself and lets me kind of brave who I am, you know, face the person behind all of the walls that I've built up because it can be really scary to look at yourself. And this is something I wrote, so please don't be too mean, but I just struggle with the idea of someone desiring me. I really do. I don't know how anyone could be like, yes, you're amazing. I need you in my life for the rest of my life you're just great. Like, I want to spend time around you all the time. Like, I can't imagine that, you know? So this is something I wrote. I like being alone. I love being alone. I hate being alone. I can't stand being alone. My mind is seemingly endless and only here lies emotion. Feelings are scary. They're scary because they're real and strong and all-consuming and uncontrollable. Once set free, they're rampant. You can hardly contain them before someone sees them. 
sees you. Feelings are surprising and untamable. They control you. They encourage and empower. They also tear your heart and mind and soul and spirit into nothingness. Nothing. That's what I deserve to be. I sit here growing. I sit here slowly dying. I sit here unsure. I sit here suffocating in inexpressible emotion, comfortable and comfortably trapped, alone but more supported than ever. I never fully feel one thing. I'm always gray. Who wants gray? Gray is confusing and sad and useless and drab and never chosen. Why would it be? Gray likes to share her problems in hopes that black, white, red, or any other color will try to grasp at her ideas or perspective. But who would reach for gray when they could reach for orange or yellow or purple? And I just kind of wrote that at 2 a.m., just trying to get all the jumbled words out to make some sort of sense. And I think they do. But I can't explain another way of how I'm feeling. I just have to write it down and then speak it back. Because as we've seen, I'm not that great at words just right off the bat. <laughs> what what was it that I said? Intermediate family? That was that was a highlight. I think I might make that a sticker. But back on track, the world tears us down with other discontent people. And it, the world sends them our way, puts them in our path, so that we can be challenged, I like to say, but it's so that other discontent people can come our way and just destroy us and make us feel like nothing so that for a split second they can feel like they own the world. And that's wrong and it's hurtful and it really just makes you want to crawl into the shell of a person you are and become absolutely nothing so that maybe you won't get hurt again but in reality that discontent person is coming to you because they're broken and looking for an easy fix so that just for a split second their heart can feel something and they can be elevated and they can feel like they matter and I my heart goes out to those people because a lot of the time they just don't know that they are being so hurtful and rude and disrespectful because they're too focused on fixing themselves but they're not really fixing themselves you know that's a whole other topic for a whole other day the world breaks us down and tells us that we have to fit into the mold that they have given us we're given these images that we can't achieve and we have to be perfect we're told how we should act we're told that we should be self-pleasing and worldly and that we deserve something when in reality we don't so that we take time for ourselves so maybe we can lift ourselves up out of the gutter that we've been living in for years and years and years but that's not going to help us get anywhere and we're also told we have to follow the crowd we have to be people pleasers to be content and I was talking to my friend Anna, and I absolutely adore Anna. Hi, Anna. I know she's listening. 
She and I have had many conversations on the sideline of a basketball game about everything and nothing in the world. And it it was the highlight of my basketball season, let me tell you, because I got to sit there, well not sit there, I had to stand and cheer. I stood there and I was honest with someone who understood what I was talking about and we just conquered the world in the span of two basketball games. And so in our conversations, we often talked about self-worth and self-confidence and we talked a lot a lot a lot about being worthy and so I knew as soon as this was something I was planning it that I was going to call Anna and that she was the person to talk to and she was so open and she helped me write most of this so thank you Anna but something she brought to my attention was the people pleasers comment because I personally am a little more independent and I don't really care if someone likes me or not which is probably not good in a sense I don't know but Anna is more so geared to be a people pleaser that's more of her personality and she talked about it and she was just like I have to put someone else's needs before my own so I can feel content in some sort of way and my friend Erin she's the exact same way she's a two through and through and she will gladly give away every single part of herself just so that someone can have a smile on their face and we've also had multiple conversations about people pleasing and about finding your worth not in the contentment of others but in the contentment of your spiritual life and I just I've heard her speak on multiple occasions about just feeling like she doesn't have any more of herself because she's given it to everyone else And I know that's a big struggle for many people out there. My heart goes out to y'all because it's a huge struggle. And I know that it just breaks you down because a lot of times you find that happiness, that little bit of a smile and giving away every single part of you. And that's hard. And this kind of segues into stereotypes. You have to stay in your lane in order for the world to like you in order for the world to not just break you down like Anna said she likes the color pink she likes to do girly things and dress up and wear makeup which is perfectly fine and she's really good at it but she also loves to do something like she used to play softball that's not a it's a girl sport but it's not the most you know, girly sport out there, if you know what I'm saying. It's very hardcore. And to me, those things just kind of don't go together. And that I get, I attribute that to the world and the perspective it's given me. And I just know that it's hard to stay in your lane because no one person has one lane because we've been given the gift of individuality. And we aren't just told, told that we have one persona you know we can do so many things and we want to do that but then as soon as we do the world comes and yanks us back into our lane and so the world tears us down and with all these things and all these lies and all these expectations but some more personal insecurities that they attack us with are 
our bodies and the images of the world are so overwhelming because there are so many different ones. There's no one ideal body type. There's no no one ideal person. Yet we're told we have to look like X, Y, and Z to be content and happy and to find what we think is joy. The world is ever-changing and so are the standards. A hundred years ago, women's body types, men's body types weren't the ideal body ty- body types of today. And these standards are just so hard to accomplish anyways because as soon as we think we're kind of like halfway there, a quarter away there, 75% of the way there, like three-fourths of the way, where they change and we have to start from square one and it can be frustrating when we can't make other people comfortable because that's what body images of the world do they make us change ourselves so that other people can be comfortable but god is never changing and his truth stands firm and that's such a hard mindset to get into because that's not what's preached in the world. What's preached in the world is follow this trend and this new style and this new makeup and this new workout and maybe you'll fit in and maybe we'll accept you. Something else, another insecurity that the world just really attacks is our personality. We have to make ourselves worldly so that we can feel accepted and this kind of goes hand in hand with our actions changing ourselves to fit the mold of the world i have on multiple occasions i shamefully say that i have changed myself and like dampened my personality because i knew that as soon as i showed my true colors and got to be who i wasn't be an individual i would be made fun of i would have been talked about in that group chat afterwards I would have just been completely shamed and that's not okay because that's just the other discontent people coming into my life to make themselves feel better about themselves and yet I let that get to me and I changed myself and I made other people comfortable especially with what I said I did not say anything I just stood and existed and I knew that they were laughing and I knew they were laughing at other people and sometimes they were laughing at me but I didn't say anything and I just tried to be as small as I could so that maybe they wouldn't come come after me again and that was not a good time in my life Um, it was pretty recently You know, high school girls are just not very nice in general. But I'm getting better and I'm learning, you know, let them laugh and let them try to tear me down because they can't really tear me down if I find my worth in Christ. And all I can do is pray for them. And I plan to. And I am. So just know, girls, I'm out there. I'm praying for you guys even too. I'm praying for you. And I hope that you find a heart change very soon because I know that you're hurting on the inside and you just kind of feel numb because that's what the world does. It makes you feel numb. The way you are perceived through clothes and aesthetics 
makes you have to stay in your lane too that's some another insecurity that i'd already talked on but i want to elaborate on some more because it's really interesting to me anna gave the example the classic example of cheerleaders have to be stupid the popular girls who are mysteriously popular for no reason who do nothing they have to be rude and mean athletes guys have to be jocks you know they can't be smart all these things you have to stay in your lane and put on the clothing and the mask that the world tells you you have to wear so that you'll be accepted and loved and it tears you down it breaks your heart because you just begin to feel like the shell of a person and you feel trapped but you can't get out because you are accepted in a sense and who would throw away acceptance you know and that's a big insecurity i know for a lot of people and the last one under insecurities that i have that is such a big one in my opinion are just feelings such as abandonment worthlessness loneliness judgment and finally i have mental illnesses because i don't want to just say sad and scared and fearful yes those are very bad but i want to take it a step further because this generation is so very open with mental illnesses and with mental health because a lot of people are opening up and saying hey this is not normal anxiety depression eating disorders all of these things these feelings of just not being able to measure up they manifest or these different feelings like abandonment they lead into anxiety my friend erin she's so precious to me <coughs> sorry i burp i'm kind of gross i don't really care my friend erin she is such a beautiful soul because she is so open with her story and her journey which is still being written and still going on right now she struggles with panic attacks generalized anxiety she's been diagnosed with the anxiety and she's so open with it and she often has feelings of abandonment which lead into her generalized anxiety because the idea of change brings about all these ideas and these feelings that are just so overwhelming and that just swallow her up that she gets so anxious and she has a panic attack and lately abandonment has been a really really big one for her because she is having a big change in her life right now and every time there's a big change there's a shift in her mood and all these insecurities and this struggle is brought back up into her life so that she won't succeed and so that she stays in her place and I'll let her talk more on that, but she's so open with this, and I know that she won't have a problem with me sharing it. She actually said today that she, if so, just one person is helped because she's open with her journey, then she's per perfectly fine with me talking about it or her talking about it, and I want this to be her story so we'll move on but those feelings are just overwhelming hebrews thirteen six says therefore we may boldly say the lord is my helper i will not be afraid what can man do to me and that's such a strong statement sorry i'm burping a lot because i just ate dinner we had fish it was really good 
that's off topic. I think one day, though, that I am going to do an entire podcast about food because I could talk for days and days and days about it. But back on track, who are we to say that the Lord is my helper? Because the star breather, the creator of you and I, the creator of the universe, the Alpha, the Omega, we can call on him at any time and we have a personal relationship and you don't realize what a privilege that is. And you don't realize how much he loves you and helps you and how much he finds you to be worthy and how your worth is only found in him because we're caught up in the world. But despite all that, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And that's such a fantastic reminder, a fantastic mindset to be in because really, what can the, what can man do to me? Because the Lord is my helper. The Prince of Peace, Lord of Lords, He's my helper. And that's such a cool message. That is Hebrews 13.6. I recommend making that your background or something on your phone. It's a great verse. And so we're given all these obstacles and insecurities and they're thrown our way so that we're just broken down. What do these obstacles make us immediately reach for? What do these things in our life that just make us hurt and make us search for something? What are they making us search for? We want a solution, obviously, because we're in pain and we're hurting and we don't know how to fix it. So we reach for easy fixes like alcohol, drugs, vapes, less clothing, more makeup, social media, unhealthy relationships, money, shallow validation. And that's just a, a short list of things I came up off, off the top of my head. But we reach for them because they're easy and they're not difficult and the world preaches that this this is what you need this is okay this will help you it'll fix you these insecurities that i've given you they'll go away once you take my magic potion of alcohol drugs vapes less clothing more makeup social media unhealthy relationships money shallow validation and so much more we we reach for quick empty reassurance that is seemingly always followed with a but. It's always half positive and half negative. The world can never really fully reward us and tell us, hey, good job. They have to say, hey, good job, but your hair doesn't look good today. Hey, good job today, but why did you eat that cookie? You know, you're getting a little little chunky, you know? Maybe you should work out some more. Hey, good job today. You know, you had a great day, but um, you could just go tell Sammy T that he's not good enough, she's not good enough, that'll make you feel good too, it'll complete your day. Also, my friend, her brother, his name is uh, Sam, and they call him Sammy sometimes, and she messaged me, and she was like, that's what we call my brother, Sammy T. And if you want to know what that's about, go listen to my previous entry about women. It's a great, it's a great one. I really love women. Again, I don't speak well in it because I'm not the most fantastic speaker in the world, but there's a lot of heart in it. So I do say go listen to it. Enough with promoting myself. Instant gratification. We reach for that and we we say, hey. Okay, we got this quick 
like on Instagram. Our story got 400 views. Okay, we're liked. Okay, and it just feeds us, what is it, serotonin or something? I don't know, there's a study about it. I'm I'm no expert at all, but in short, social media, it feeds the part of our brain, the hormone that something else like love or something does. That's how much emphasis and desire we have to be accepted yet we're here just searching in the wrong places we immediately reach and grasp at control i know i love control i love being in charge i love having complete control of the situation knowing whatever is going on is i can handle And I can fix it. I can do it myself. I'm a very independent person. My mom can tell you I don't really like help. Um, It makes me angry sometimes, which is not a good thing. But we're all born with our faults. And so whenever I'm denied complete control, I get upset and worried and anxious and I just don't know what to do with myself because I can't fix everything. I can't fix the way I look. I can't fix my personality. I can't fix my actions. I can't fix X, Y, and Z. I don't know all the things and I hate it. And it just makes me reach for any type of control I can get. I don't know about you, but that's what it does for me. These obstacles make us reach for things to make ourselves prettier, skinnier, more muscular, more cold-hearted because if we're cold-hearted we aren't facing our true selves and we just become more accepting of what the world tells us that we need and then it becomes easier to get that quick easy reassurance, that quick easy validation, that quick easy comment like whatever that gives us our worth and confidence. And if we're cold-hearted, then we can't let Christ in. If we're cold-hearted, we can't let anything in. And we try to mask the ugly on the outside so that maybe people won't see the ugly on the inside. Because how can they love something or someone so horrible and so broken? I often ask myself that question And I just sit here and I wonder why I even have friends. I'm really odd. I'm not just trying to be quirky or anything. I'm just kind of odd. And that's okay. I love being myself. I think I'm really fun. I like to think that I'm a pretty vibrant person. Once you get to know me. But I'm also really broken. And I'm not the best person in the world. I'm not the most giving person in the world. I'm not the most kind person in the world. So how could someone love me? How could someone desire me? It just makes me reach for a mask. It makes me reach for something that I can hide all of that with every once in a while. Because maybe they'll like the mask better. Or they'll like um, my clothes better. They won't look past the superficial. And they won't look past what makes them comfortable and oftentimes that's what the world does they only look at the outside so that they're comfortable because if you look at even farther every person has their burdens and their problems so if you look any farther you're gonna see them 
So we just mask it all and we become cold hearted and we reach for the quick and empty so we can be content for a split second and our hearts can be fulfilled for a millisecond. This also makes us reach for things that capitalism puts in our way. A lot of this is capitalism. Diet, workout, makeup, clothes, uh, a relationship. Fame is easy nowadays. TikTok fame, you can get it with just doing a silly 30 second, 60 second video. And that just makes us feel good about ourselves because maybe someone out there likes us and we're good enough to be watched by however many people. I know that all 10,000 of my adoring fans on my podcast are just bowing at my feet, right? And I do look at the numbers sometimes and I have to take myself away because I'll get caught up in them when this is not about me or my words or the numbers or my ability to host a podcast, but it's about being, I don't know, it's not about being what the world wants us to see, wants to see. It's about being who Christ wants you to be. That's such a big message and it's such a hard thing to learn because we want to be liked. We want to be loved and we're going to reach for it in any way possible. But we don't want to put in the work and discipline a relationship with Christ requires. And that's where we find true love because Christ is love. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love never fails. Well, that entire passage from 1 Corinthians 13 is not about our version of love. It's not about love in general. It's about God. So it says love the superior way if you replace love with God it just completely defines him and who he is and you will learn that God is love and so we're searching for the shallow validation and acceptance in the world when we really need to be reaching for Christ and his true love and his everlasting love from eternity to eternity why are we given insecurities I asked myself this and I asked Anna this and I asked a couple friends this And I just wanted to sit down and ask, why are we given these things that just make us feel worthless and just so burdensome and so broken and so useless? Some positive things are it's to rely on God fully so we can grow and be molded to be more like him because challenges and obstacles are meant for growth. But also that will be brought back to him. He will get our attention one way or another which is such a beautiful message in our hurt and our brokenness. He can change it and so that we'll be brought back home and he can be glorified. And that's a beautiful picture. But some negative things include tearing us away from our purpose to proclaim the gospel. That's our purpose and spread his love. That requires confidence and trust in our relationship with Christ and God. To make us think that God doesn't love us. He can't love us. Some things that kind of hit my mind immediately that kind of get in the way are mental illnesses. Mental illnesses are still looked down upon even though this generation is so open and things are changing, which I am completely behind. Mental illnesses need to be normalized because they're in everyone really in one way or another not... I'm not saying that everyone's mentally ill. I'm just saying there are a lot of people out there 
who struggle with this and they should be able to speak up so they can help someone else who may be in hiding because it's almost like mental illnesses are shameful and mental illnesses like anorexia, body dysmorphia, bulimia, binge eating, depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, and those are just some that are off the top of my head. They just make us kind of feel like we're invalid, like we're inadequate, like we're nothing. We're nothing but our disorder. And, when, and how could God love a disorder, you know? And I struggle with panic attacks. I think I have like a paranoia disorder or something because I used to have um, night terrors as a kid and so I would literally see what was happening while I was awake I can I still do to this day like I can see the image that scares me happening in front of me right and so I think that just kind of makes me a little paranoid and a little I don't know it makes me anxious and get which can lead to panic attacks and I just sit here and I think well how can God love that Someone who's scared all the time. Like, I can't even watch Snow White. You know? Because it scares me. How could God love that? I, I don't know, but despite all of that, God loves me. So, I need to lay this all at his feet because he will take care of it. And that's something I am learning. Hebrews 10, 35-36 says, So don't throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you need endurance, so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what was promised. And that's not talking about confidence in ourselves and confidence in the world. No, that's talking about confidence in Christ and His ability, because He is able to do all things. And we need endurance to get through this world and get through this marathon of that we call life, because it's hard. You know, there are bumps in the road, insecurities and doubt of self-worth and self-worth that wavers even in your confidence, in your own man-made confidence. I ask you, is your confidence man-made or is your confidence Christ-made? That's a big, that's a big thing. Uh, a lot of the time, mine is uh, self-made and I rely on myself. Like I said, I'm a very independent person. And I don't want anyone to see me, and I don't want anyone to have to pity me enough to help me. Does that make sense? So, I just d try to do it myself and make myself confident and make myself worthy, and I can't do that. But God, He's my helper, and that's such a beautiful picture. So, how do we build up ourselves in with confidence and self-worth in the world and in ourselves and in sin? I know that I do this a lot and I know a lot of people who do this doing things that we love, doing things that we want. We say that we deserve it, that we've worked so, so hard and that we've been struggling for so long and we just need a break and absolutely sometimes we just need a break. But we absolutely don't need one every day you know, like, every day is not an off day, or we don't need to go to that party or whatever just for a moment of relief or do something that's rebellious just because we deserve it because we've been so obedient and such a good kid for our entire lives, you know, we don't need to do that. I just ate dinner, wow. 
Sorry, I think I already said that, but I get a little gassy after dinner. Sorry, TMI. We follow the crowd so that maybe since the world is doing this and all these people are following it and they're being accepted, maybe we'll, we will be too and that we'll be loved and we'll be validated and our emotions won't be as crazy and all the good things in the world will happen and we'll be cured. That's how we build ourselves up because if they're being loved that way, why can't we? We become self-reliant. I wrote something in my journal. It's not as long as the other one. But I simply just said, I'm disappointed in myself. I will always be if I'm reliant on myself. And I realize this, but I want to, to be confident and to build myself up and not to build Christ in myself. Does that make sense? I hope it does. But I don't want to be, I don't know, just reliant and needy on things of the world or things of myself to an extent, but also I do, you know? I don't know if that makes sense, but I hope it made sense to someone. Uh, I become, we become reliant on the validation and acceptance of others, and we allow those lies from earlier to overtake us, and we begin to believe them, because when there's no validation, there's silence, and in the silence, there is um, time for you to think, and when you think, you get in your head, and in your head, there are these broken records of lies telling you that you're not good enough, and that you're not worthy, and that you need to change because the world doesn't like you. You don't make them comfortable. Some of the lies are, I'm not skinny enough. I'm not ever going to be like her or him. I'm not muscular enough. I don't work out enough. He or she has so many friends. He or she has a great family. They have more followers or likes. Their reputation is fantastic. They have it all together. They're living the life that I want and I could never achieve it. I'm not pretty because I'm not like them and I know lots and lots and lots of people of color struggle with the idea that they just aren't enough simply because of the color of their skin tone at some point in their life. I'm not saying that they all do now, that we all do, but at one point in your life you've just wondered and said, hey, I'm not white, I'm not good enough. And that's something I've, I've had to ask. And Anna, she said this one, and it was really, she said it hit home for her, and we've had multiple discussions about this, and truly, high school girl, man, it's rough, high school boy, it's rough too, she said something that she asked herself a lot, she's heard other people ask themselves is, why am I not pretty enough? But then she goes on to say, Yet I have to remember that I'm made in his image and loved, created by him. Despite my mistakes, he loves me. And that's such a beautiful message. And I'm so proud that Anna has gotten this far in her journey. And she's relying on Christ and not herself. That's a beautiful picture. And I'm just so proud to be her friend. So, Anna, love you. Thank you. And I sat here with Anna with my friends. Again, this is an us perspective and not a me perspective. And I asked the question, why is the world tearing us down? Why? Why is the world making us feel 
this way, invalid, broken, hopeless, useless. Why? And so my, some things we came up with to keep us from God, to make us bitter and evil and discouraged, to therefore fulfill the cycle of making other people feel discouraged and to feel inadequate and to feel like nothingness. So we can't fulfill our true purpose. So we can't spread love and kindness. So we can spread hate and sin and evil and bitterness and discontentment. The next question I asked was, why is it so hard to build up self-confidence? You know, it shouldn't be that hard. You know, we have Christ, we have his word, we have people around us that tell us that we're good enough. You know, your mom, your mom's your number one supporter, whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not, you know? So why is it so hard? Why, why do we have so such a struggle with this aren't we good enough aren't we trying hard enough those whispers and in, of insecurity from the back of your mind that they become a broken record and as soon as you get a new insecurity it's a new broken record to put on play and they sit in the back of your head and reappear once a day twice a day all day every single day without fail and tear you down from the inside out you begin to believe that you're worthless. You begin to feel alone and burdensome to those around you. And these worldly standards don't match up with godly standards. So we're pulled in both directions and we don't know which way to turn because one appeals to us quicker and it makes catches our attention. It's shiny. The other, it's you gotta blow off the dust off the book. You gotta dive in and take time out of your day to use some discipline and read this big book that is 2,000 years old. You know, which one is more appealing? The, the one that you have to blow the dust off of, that's the truth. It's not the diamond in the rough. It just requires discipline. The other one just requires flippant self-hatred I mean it's easy right and so all these things get into our head and they break us down and we're pulled in these different directions but Psalm 27 3 says though an army deploys against me my heart not, will not be afraid though a war breaks out against me I will still be confident confident in what confident in Christ or confident in yourself, confident in Christ or confident in the world. It's hard to build up self-confidence because modesty is such a huge thing. The world preaches, the more skin you show, the more confident you will be, the more worthy you'll be because then you won't be hiding, right? You'll just be doing what you want. You'll be wearing what you desire, your body, your choice, right? But the Bible preaches something different. It preaches that you were to cover yourself in modesty so that the world won't look at your body, but the world will look at your heart. And in your heart, they should see Christ. And from there, so many beautiful things will happen that are beyond ourselves. But yet we still reach for that middle spot. You know, like, this is 
this is okay, you know, it may show a little too much, but it's okay. If someone comes up to me, then I can tell them about Christ. They won't immediately see Christ. And that's what modesty is about. I could do an entire series on modesty, man, because it just kind of, it's something that's very interesting to me and something that's very relevant, I would say. And the last bullet point for why is it so hard to build up self-confidence is the, the idea that I can make myself worthy because you have this constant fear of being less. You have this constant fear of needing, of being left behind, right? Of being just thrown to the side and said, told that, you know, we don't need you. You just kind of, you just kind of aren't what we're looking for by the world. And so you try to make yourself worthy. You try to make yourself fit in and make yourself become what the world wants you to be. And the world is still trying to destroy you even though even though you're still doing what they want you to do. Have you noticed this too? That was not worded very well. There were lots of pauses, but I just hope you understood because you can't make yourself worthy. You just can't. Second Timothy 1 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. So this constant fear of being less isn't coming from Christ. This constant fear of being less is coming from the world and from sin and from the devil to what break you down and to keep you from fulfilling your purpose and so I sat down again the next question is I like to do my outline in questions because therefore that's just easier to answer in my mind why do insecurities hurt so bad and that's a hard one because it hits different for everyone most definitely but some things I've come up with are they target the parts of you that you don't want to face and you don't want others to see. You put on this mask so that you can hide and so that you are presentable and making everyone else not have to dig deeper and look at all the brokenness and the ugliness inside, right? But this insecurity, it makes you look at it so that you're shameful of it. Shame, not, you shouldn't be ashamed of your struggles. You shouldn't be ashamed of the things that make you you and your journey. But with that comes a little bit of trial and ugliness. And we don't want to look at that. And deep inside our sinful hearts, it's so ugly, man. It's not pretty because... Once we let sin into our lives, we just want more and more of it. We just want that easy fix, but we don't want to watch it. I have another journal entry for you, and I just said, I have to keep my mind constantly occupied and away from the dark, drowning negativity that consumes me when I'm not focused on running from the cloud that engulfs all of my sinful heart. It drags me under, and half of me is dying. The other half is thriving and fully existing, it is fully becoming. The It's fully present. I'm scared of that side. And I just have to keep, I personally have to keep my mind keep going and going and going so that, so that I don't look at myself. So that I don't 
look at my heart, you know? It's hard to face yourself because only the brave, I feel like, can really truly look at themselves and they can only get that courage from Christ. And I am so in awe of them and that, I don't know, that that ability. These insecurities hurt so bad because they make us feel like we have to prove that we deserve all the good things in the world. It makes us feel like we have to prove that we deserve love and hope and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, grace, mercy, all these things we have to earn it. And But yet we can't quite earn it because the standards are ever-changing. These insecurities hurt so bad because they make us focus on the bad parts in an all-consuming way. There's a difference in acknowledging and giving it up to Christ than obsessing and just allowing your mind to be fully engulfed in the negative. Insecurities hurt and they make being a person almost shameful. Because we're imperfect beings, and with that comes the ugliness, comes all the brokenness, comes all the scars, all the battles and the journeys. It's a marathon, it truly is. And it makes that being imperfect shameful, being a person shameful. It makes you feel useless and like a waste of a person and a life. You feel like you're downgrading yourself, you're lowering your standards. We like to think that we're worth more than others versus we aren't good enough for others. They're two very opposites, and we flip-flop between those every single day. I know I do. Something that really, really, truly hurts is when we rate people, when we do physically give numbers, like a she's a 7 out of 10, he's like an 8 out of 10, but we also say he or she's out of my league. That's rating a person, and it just hurts because it makes us feel inadequate that that that's an insecurity but it also I don't know you know it kind of just fits under this category I don't really know how to explain it so I'm not going to try because you don't want to hear me ramble any longer this hurts so bad because it plants seeds of doubt that only flourish in our sinful mind they flourish in the back and they the vines continue to grow and grow and encapsulate us and just drown out all of the light slowly and surely so that it can put on its sad music and the sad broken record and play it in the back of our minds so that we hate ourselves and I don't know if you can hear my mom in the back but she's telling my brother to go take a shower I think so if you hear that I'm so sorry but I will continue (laughs) sin is comfortable it's easier to dwell on the negative instead of acknowledging it and giving it to God so that we can move past it. We like to be comfortable. I know I do. I like to stay in my bed all day, have snacks, take naps, watch TikToks, you know, work on things that make me happy, and just not worry about anyone else, really. Or if I'm feeling adventurous, I'll go out with my friends, but we'll do the same old, same old, because that's comfortable and easy, and we know what's going to happen. Now, that's not the same thing as sin, I mean, the first one is not the just doing the same thing over and over again. We like getting coffee regularly. It's not good for us, but we like it. I'm getting off track. 
but our sin is comfortable and we don't like being uncomfortable uncomfortable but god calls us to obedience and obedience is uncomfortable and it just makes us squirm and it make but under that pressure we grow but we don't want to be put under pressure why is it so hard to build up defenses to the world the world makes us feel safe because it's easy to hate ourselves and it's easy to find quick validation in shallow things social media which leads to negative comparison social media in itself isn't bad the negative comparison that seems to follow social media right on its tail that's the bad part it just breaks us down because we don't want to be alone so we go on our phones and the cycle just starts over and over again this stems from discontentment and the search for an easy fix we are pushed and pulled in so many different directions to be consumed by the world or to be consumed by christ we have this you've earned it mentality and you have to ask yourself is this for the benefit of the temporary or is this for the benefit of the eternal and it's so hard to build up defenses to the you've earned it mentality because we do truly feel like we've earned it and we want the temporary so bad because it feels good in the temporary like a face mask and a relax all day kind of idea sign me up but then we do it over and over again every day and we just tell ourselves that we've earned it but what have we earned we've earned nothing it's hard to build up defenses because we fulfill others needs so that we feel better about ourselves instead of working on our hearts it's easy to work on other people and not work on our hearts because we know what's in our hearts we know how dirty and dingy and dark and hopeless that looks but other people it seems so much easier because we don't have to look that far so we go help them so we have a moment of happiness and contentment because we helped someone else which is fantastic to help other people i'm not discouraging that i'm just saying don't use that as a distraction from working on your own heart and we have this mentality a lot of the times that god doesn't care god isn't listening i am one in seven billion this is something anna said actually and i was sitting in the car with Aaron we were on our way to go get coffee one of our routine things to do we do it like four times a week it's amazing anyways we were listening to the live recording of from passion and you could just hear this mass of voices coming up to worship Christ and that's amazing and I told her this because we were talking about the outline and the, the entry and all these other things and I told her what Anna said and I said, a good visual for that is there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people in that room and you can't hear just one voice because you couldn't hear the singer. It was just all the voices together. But God, he was listening to everyone all at once. He was listening to each individual person worship. He heard your voice in that room because Aaron was there. And he heard your heart and your heart's cries and what you needed and Aaron started tearing up and I almost did and I often need visuals because I need things put in perspective because you can just tell me something and I'll accept it as head knowledge but every once in a while we need something put into into perspective so it can be put into heart knowledge and that was something that I wanted to share because wow just thousands of people in that room 
That doesn't compare to the seven billion people on the planet. Yet God hears us. He made each and every one of us. And that's crazy. But we don't want to have that mindset. We just want to stay in the negative. Because we love a good pity party. Because maybe then through someone else we can validate our feelings. If we can make someone else feel our pi- feel pity feel pity towards us. That was not English. But you get what I'm saying. Then maybe we can validate our feelings and they can be right and we won't be alone anymore. And I do that a lot. I love to share my pain in not a good way, in a bad way, so that maybe other people can feel it too and we can be in a bad mood together. Because if I'm going to go down, I'm probably going to bring you down with me unintentionally. Why aren't we strong enough to uphold the attacks of the world on our own? That's a big question, I think, because we think we're so strong, but we're not. You know, we're just simply too small. The fear, regret, and guilt, etc. is just too much for our human hearts to handle because we like control and we can't control those emotions. We're just simply not strong enough on our own. We simply do not know everything. Why do we stray from the God who created us and the God who knows all? Who knows everything? Our shepherd. He wants to lead us and we stray from him. I don't know. I do it often. And I I wonder because I come back and I'm like, why did I go away from this? But I like the comfort of my sin and I like being able to do whatever I want with my evenings and mornings. You know, discipline's hard. That's why it's that's why it's discipline, you know? That's why we need it to approach Christ, because we're to model ourselves after Christ and to, and he showed so much discipline. He shows so much discipline. And we can only hope to to even try to measure up. Jeremiah seventeen seven says the person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is the Lord, is blessed. And that's just a beautiful I think that just kind of goes along with that. And I think it's a beautiful verse that just encapsulates. Is that a word? Encapsulates? I don't have anybody with me. My family's just kind of running around in the background. So I'm sorry if you can hear them. My mom was screaming earlier at Mac to go get in the shower. Sorry if you heard that. How do we build up our self-worth in Christ? Not in ourselves, in Christ. Spending time with him in the Bible. He wrote the Bible because it's truth and it will stand for eternity as long as he needs it to which is like as long as we're here because it's it's the way that we connect and we don't want to because it's this big thick book and a lot of times it has dust and it's got all these fancy words and terms and it's kind of confusing sometimes but in all the confusing we find self-worth because we find Christ because you only find your true worth in Christ. You can't find it in the world. You can't find it in yourself. You'll always fail if you try to look for it in yourself. Luke twelve seven says, Indeed, the hairs on your head are all counted. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. He knows us personally. He knows our hearts. Yet, we're worth more than many sparrows. He were worth him sending his son to become our sin. And dying on a criminal's cross to so that he can have us for eternity. And that's 
mind-boggling to me. And we only can find our self-worth in that kind of love. We can also find self-worth in being open about our struggles. That's what I'm trying to do here. It's kind of hard. Let me tell you, they aren't something to be ashamed of. God brought this to me, this verse, 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 9. I don't have it written down, but it's a great verse. I advise you to go look it up because it's very encouraging. When you approach him, approach him earnestly and wholeheartedly. Lay it all out so that he can break down your flimsy walls and rebuild them because his bricks are so much better than ours because his bricks are pure. Allow your heart to be ruled by Christ and not the world and be fully obedient. Do as he has called you to do, even if it's uncomfortable. I a podcast is not really um, my idea of comfortable. Podcasts are very personal. I don't really like people to see all of me. I'm a very open book once you get to know me, but I'm talking on the internet to strangers and letting them see all of my heart in my journal. I haven't even let some of my closest friends see my journal because, let me tell you, I just kind of let it all out there. That's where I can be honest with myself and face all of the ugly. So then I can acknowledge it and present it to Christ, and that's so hard. 1 Corinthians 2, 3-5 says, I came to you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. My speech and preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. And I really think that just, I keep saying this, it encapsulates this, encapsulates what am I? But you know what I mean. It can, it just, represents this entire section really well in what I just said because it's really hard to I can't my words don't matter his words matter and if I speak his words I they'll mean much much more than my 90% babbling rate to his 10% truth you know surround yourself with godly people God can use the people in your life the good people in your life in so many different ways even the toxic ones actually because you can use them to bring you back to him. That's super cool. But the godly people in your life, man, he can use those too. Uh, don't ever underestimate a good jam session with some good worship music and a good godly conversation about everything and nothing. Because let me tell you, they're just really fulfilling. Because it's just amazing to see God work in other people's lives and to allow other people to see what God has done in your life. Be careful with what you listen to, what you watch, what you read, because that really affects you more than you know. You can't unwatch, unlisten, un unlisten, unhear, and unread something, you know. It can be tempting. TikTok is so dirty and dangerous, but there are some good good things on there. Funny things and there are some amazing Christian amazing Christian disciples on there. So, not all social media is bad, but it can be used for evil. So just be careful. Be mindful. Find the patterns of self-destructive Sorry, that was not English. Find the patterns of self-destructive tendencies. Stop them at the root and offer them to Christ. And that's so hard because we want to hide them. Like I keep saying, I want to hide them. I don't want everyone to see all all of my sins and all of the ugliness but God knows he just wants us to show them he wants 
He wants us to be open with him. What are some of the bricks that God rebuilds us with? You know, why are they so much stronger than mine? They're so much stronger than mine because they're pure. And I keep talking about these bricks of self-worth and love because that's how I imagine this. We build up these bricks and we build up these bricks and then we build up these walls to protect ourselves and to protect our hearts. But what are some of the bricks that God rebuilds us with? These are just some of the few off at the top of my head. They are not all by all me- any means, okay? Confidence, worth, love, spiritual gifts, wisdom, independence, true beauty, peace, obedience, patience, mercy, grace, and there are so, so, so many more, and I just haven't gotten to them. Or do they just didn't pop in my head at the moment? But just know that Christ gives us the tools to run the marathon and to be spiritually strong because once you fix your spiritual life, everything else will fall into place because once you find that spiritual contentment and that spiritual joy, that will overflow into every other part of your life, mental, emotional, physical, and you will be glowing, not with the world, but with Christ through and through. And that's so super hard because it all starts with facing ourselves, acknowledging our sin, and giving it to Christ. And we don't want to give that up because it's comfortable. And I keep saying that over and over again, but it's comfortable to us and it makes everyone around us comfortable. And why would we give up acceptance? You know, the world accepts the people that hold on to their to their sin and their comfort. Isaiah forty thirty one says, But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles they will run and not become weary they will walk and not faint and that just goes really well with the marathon point as i was writing this um outline and going through it as soon as the idea popped into my head i start with the description and the title i just got this idea of walls and bricks obviously but in the bible there's this one amazing story about this really big wall it's the battle of Jericho and it is uh, I don't know if you can hear my brother I'm sorry he's taking a shower we all have to get clean somehow even boys boys are disgusting that's a whole other topic for another day but in this story um Joshua he's told by God to march around the city with all the men of war circling the city one time. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven rams, horn trumpets in the front of the ark. But on the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests blow the trumpets. That is so weird. It keeps going. When there is a prolonged blast of the horn and you hear its sound, have all the troops give a mighty shout. Then the city wall will collapse and the troops will advance each man straight ahead. That is so weird. So God's just saying, march around, blow some horns, then go to bed. Do that for six days. Okay? Get up on the seventh day, do the same thing, walk around seven times. You're really going to get your steps in. And then you're going to scream, you're going to shout. And then you're going to go kill everybody. Because the walls will just fall for you. That's so crazy. But God gave the seemingly impossible to the obedient and faithful. His obscure ways have a purpose and a lesson and an underlying arc of glorifying himself. God gave Joshua the authority and the people he needed to be successful because he knew that even though his instructions were odd, Joshua would remain obedient and faithful. And throughout the story, I read through it and I just kind of wrote down and journaled on the computer, which is not very good. Journal with pen and paper just works a lot better, but I used the computer. 
not all the time just for this there was a lot of symbolism i was like what how do self-worth and self-confidence and self-love relate to a wall and war that's odd but nonetheless god please show me and he did there's a lot of symbolism so joshua and his people they represent christ's spirit the holy spirit uh the shouting represents his word his truth and his encouragement to us the sin oh not the sin the city is our sinful hearts and minds the walls are the sins and insecurities that we have built up and also our bricks of flimsy self-worth and self-love and self-confidence and so much more the result of obedience the victory the lack of looting is respect and obedience to God. The bronze, silver, gold, and iron, that's glorifying Christ, and it allows preparation for his future plans. And the destroying of the sinful brings peace and heart knowledge, which also brings foreshadowing to, you know, the main course of the Bible and Christianity, Christ uh, dying on the cross for us. Rescuing Rahab, it just shows that not every part of you is bad, that you are worthy and redeemed to fulfill your one and only purpose to proclaim the gospel. And even in our sinful hearts and minds, there's something still good there because we are made in Christ's image. And for those of you who don't know Rahab, she was a prostitute. She's also a woman. And through because of her kindness and her loving, extending arms and all these other things she was redeemed and her and her family they were saved from being slaughtered that's amazing just as these little parts in our hearts that are still good and still holy and still faithful and still obedient they're it's worth saving and molding ourselves to be more like christ it's a cool image the lord is a personal god and knew how to control the situation like that's so crazy you know, the walls just kind of like, boop, fell. That's crazy. You can just see throughout this whole thing, we're very big picture people. I know I am. We can see all the things that are happening, and you know that God is in control throughout the whole thing, and that God's a personal God, and he knew how to control this. But if you zoom in close, well, wouldn't you question God telling you to walk around a city once a day? for six days and then on the seventh day you get your steps in and then you scream and the walls just fall you know i think it's like angry birds in my mind you know how you just would hit the the bricks with the birds it's not the same thing but that's how i envision it you know how they fell but god just knew and because he's a personal god and he knew how to handle this situation and he's an all-knowing god and he's a powerful god he's an all-powerful god and that's super cool the walls falling they represent God's word penetrating our hearts and bringing reassurance and building up us up with his bricks of worth, love, peace, obedience, kindness, and so, so much more, which is a beautiful picture. And I think that's why God um, wanted to use this passage because it's really easy to see, you know? Literally, I just gave an example about angry birds and the birds are worth, love, peace, obedience, kindness, and confidence and all this other stuff I said before and more and then the walls fall down you know that's a great picture we have to release our sin and allow God to break down our weak self-made walls of self-worth we have to find our worth in Christ and his truth because only there we will find true joy and true contentment 
and true, I don't know, our true selves. I don't know. I just, this is a very personal entry for me because I struggle with this every once in a while. And when I do, it's pretty consuming. And I, um, I don't know. I just wanted to talk about it today because it was something that was really, really, I don't know. It's, what's the word I use? Relevant. It's really relevant. Rascal. Shh. My dog got excited because we're almost done. It's really relevant. So to this, I say thank you for listening. It means the absolute world to me. Um, please check out the podcast Instagram at littleasian.bigworld and the podcast Twitter at L-A-B-W podcast. I had new content there, more unfiltered me. How could you not want to go vi- follow it? If you like what you hear, please leave a review or a rating. Follow me on social medias. Do what you please, but please just let me know what you liked or disliked, what you should, what should be improved on. Let me know how God is working in your life. I would love to hear it. I love you all, and you'll be hearing from me soon. Bye.